0: All right, let's go to John chapter 12. Let's go to John chapter 12. We're, we're continuing the series Grounded in Hope. Uh, the series is called Grounding, and today's message is called Grounded in Hope. And today we join the worldwide church in starting Holy Week, acknowledging that, that this is the start of the most special week of the year for us as Christians, Hey guys, let's not let commercialism take over our week. When we let the whole world know that Jesus is alive, then we let the whole world know that Jesus, we celebrate him 365 days a year because of what happened on one Easter Sunday morning or one Sunday morning, the resurrection Sunday morning. And so as you heard in video announcements, just in case that didn't drown out, um, we have a Saturday service at 6, a Saturday Easter service, and then our two services at 9 a.m., 10.45 a.m. We'll put out all the chairs so you'll have plenty of space. So we're not going to do pre-registration this time. We're just going to trust that you're going to pick the right service for you and for your friends and family. And uh, I, I believe people are going to give their lives to Jesus this coming weekend. And some of you might give your life to Jesus today. I, Why well, I wait till next weekend? But we know people who aren't here right now uh, could give your, their life to Jesus next Sunday. And so we're, we're very excited about that. I want to start with reading the passage today because the three points I'm going to make are contained in one particular scripture of the passage. And so John chapter 12, starting with verse 12, and we can read this now. The next day, the, great, the, the large crowd that had come to the festival heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. In verse 13, they took palm branches and went out to meet him. They kept shouting, Hosanna. And by the way, Hosanna means Lord save. Lord save, Lord save, or Messiah save. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. So when we had that spontaneous song that Pastor Aubrey led us in, and and it was blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. For those of you who are familiar with that phrase, you know, we were talking about Jesus. In fact, I was up there saying, Jesus. You know, I was kind of yelling that out. But since no one sat in front of me, no one heard me. Thank God. All right. That's why those of you who sit on the back row at church, man, you're missing out. Come to the front. You can sing with all your heart. Even though when Beth was our primary worship leader, she used to like kindly say, you're such a good singer, but you know, um, can you sing like with me and not like off of me? I'm just joking. I don't know if you actually said that or not. She keeps telling me, why do you make up these stories up there about me? I'm like, I don't know. It just like, it just like comes and, and I tell them and you laugh and then I regret it. Not because... I mean, not because she's mean about it, but she actually says, that's not actually true. And I'm like, I know it's kind of true in my mind, but yeah, anyway. So we just cleared some stuff up, right? We cleared some stuff up there. Okay, so, um, you know, blessed is he. I was saying, hey, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. That's Jesus, the one that everyone was anticipating. Going back to the scripture, which is a really good idea right now. Really good idea to go back to the scripture. Blessed is the King of Israel. 14, Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it. And just as it was written, and here's the key verse. Verse 15 is my key verse today. Key verse that that I just want you to get in your spirit. Don't be afraid, daughter Zion. Look, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. So this was prophesied and predicted in the Old Testament, and now it was happening right here in in uh, in John's version of this story or his his depiction of this. Verse 16, at first his disciples did not understand all this. Only after Jesus was glorified did they realize that these things had been written about him and these things had been done to him. This is the word of the Lord. guys, y'all remember back in the olden days of 2019 when we actually went to movies? Yeah, I mean, I can't believe the movie theater across the street is closed down now. So for those of you who work there, I'm sorry about that. Um, hey, I never would have predicted the churches would thrive and the, and the movie theaters would close down. You never know what 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 will happen. Um, but I used to like to go to movies and especially before all the streaming stuff started, you would go to movies and the movie was great, but what was almost more enjoyable than the movie was the previews, right? I mean, you you would see those previews. I mean, sometimes they'd be embarrassing to watch them with your kids, you know, I always hated that. It was embarrassing to watch them with my parents when I was a kid, and then it was embarrassing to watch them with my kids when I was a parent. Uh, but, But when it was a good preview, I mean, that was sometimes better than a movie, because it's five minutes, a trailer they're called. And then it's five minutes you you get a great sense of like the best acting and the best action. And and it's supposed to motivate you to go back and see a movie. A lot of times the trailer is actually all you need to see. You don't actually need to see the movie because the trailer is so good. So way back in 2008, there was this awesome trailer. Some of you may remember, there was this movie called Taken. And Liam Neeson was in this movie. And, and the preview was so good. And the movie was so below average. Um, but the preview was awesome. Because unfortunately, in, in, this, in this fictional kind of scenario, this isn't funny in real life at all. But in this fictional scenario, a, a, a young lady is, is kidnapped. And as the intruders are coming into her room, she gets under the bed. She calls Liam Neeson. And he says, you know, listen to me. I will come and protect you and rescue you don 't worry about it and I, re- I remember thinking man that 's kind of dad I am, man. You put me in that same scenario, and i will just I will just cause fear in the kidnappers just with my voice so those are the previews that that was that was like a classic classic preview. This this whole narrative that that is true. Um, dad protects, I and mean, that, that's part of our role as dads. And you know, sometimes that protection is not a physical thing. Is more importantly, it's a spiritual protection. And sometimes it's just like making sure the doors are locked, uh, making sure the oil is changed in the car. You know, making sure that you know the tires aren't bald because. You know, other people don't always think about that. Um, so, a lot of dads, you know, when we do our job like we should, we protect. We protect, and of course, we're supposed to reflect God, the Father, right? And and I thought about that when when I think about our key verse. And let me read that key verse again, verse fifteen. This this prophetic word that came back. Don't be afraid, daughter of Z- daughter Zion. Look, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. My three points are gonna be those three phrases today. And Jesus' message to us today, here's number one, is this. I like this point, do not be afraid, do not be afraid. We need to keep hearing that over and over because fear is a natural emotion and fear is not bad to have. Um, Staying in fear though is not God's will ultimately. Okay, so fear has its purpose and then we can repurpose it to know that fear turns us to the Lord. And, and that phrase where it said, oh, daughter Zion, I thought about that because, you know, I have two sons and I have a daughter and I love them equally. I tell them each that you're my favorite because they all three are my favorite. And yeah, I'll, I'm gonna protect my boys, no doubt. Now they're young men. But man, when my daughter is vulnerable, or when my daughter's car breaks down. Or when my daughter has had a bad weekend or is upset. My son has a bad weekend. I'm like, get over it. But when my daughter does, it's like, who do I need to go confront right now? What was her, his name? Where, where do they live? You know? Because that's just how we are. And here it is. The father saying to you today. Jesus is saying to you through this Palm Sunday, hey, don't be afraid. Oh, daughter Zion. You know, you know, what is Zion? Zion is this idealistic place. It's Jerusalem, yes, but it's more than just Jerusalem. Zion is when God is with his people, when God is meeting with his people, when they're living together, when they're, they're in connection. And so don't, don't be afraid, daughter Zion. So this applies to To men and women here because it's talking about God's affectionate love for us and his protective love for us. So I want you to be encouraged today that when Jesus shows up, supernatural love drives out all fear. And you will be afraid again, but you have Jesus with you for that fear. And some of you are are, are thinking, thinking, give me something deep, give me something deep. I'm about to give you the the, the deepest thing you need because there's a fear ahead of you that you don't know. And sometimes it comes unexpectedly. And the Lord is going to have you remember this moment right now. I don't know if it's this week or if it's like a year from now. I I don't know. It'll be different from all of us. Listen, all of us are going to have a health scare. All of us are, are, are going to question a relationship that's special to us all of us is going, are going to have someone we care about who is either vulnerable or, or who does succumb to a sickness. And when that time comes, fear comes too. And fear, fear is a pathway to our God. You see, he says, don't fear, not because he's asking us to manage the fear. Not because he's asking us to be these superhumans who are above fear. I mean, it's so it's so funny how we, we like to call ourselves fearless, you know. That's like the new adjective, you know. My best friend is fearless. You know, I mean we say that, and you know, they, they overcome fear, but no one's fearless. I might act fearless in the face of adversity. But that's usually because I've just dealt with fear. And as believers, we're we're giving our fear to the Lord. And the King is coming. As we enter this holy week, I mean, it is another week for us to evaluate what's going on in our life, where we are, what's happening. happening. I, I don't want you to be afraid. Psalm 118 is our psalm for today. We used it in the call of worship says it this way, open the gates of righteousness for me. Psalm 118 verse 19, open the gates of righteousness for me. I will enter through them and give thanks to the Lord. So we have like three different meanings here. We have the original meaning when people went to worship in the temple. And then we have the meaning, as it applied in John chapter 12, foreshadowing Jesus entering Jerusalem for Holy Week. And then I'm going to give you a third meaning, a meaning, and that is like your position with God. Your position with God here. Because like when we go to scripture and we go to a small group and we go to prayer and we go to the presence of God, this applies to us. Open up the gates of righteousness for me. I will enter in through them and give thanks to the Lord. Verse 20, this is the Lord's gate. The righteous will enter through it. I will give thanks to you, verse 21, because you have answered me and have become my salvation. And I I love it when I'm close enough to people that there's no hesitation when they come into my house. That, that's a real closeness, isn't it? Now, I'm one of those guys, I'm never going to barge into your house, so don't worry about it. Even, I don't even do that to my sister at her house, you know? I, I'm just, I do kind of knock, hey, what's up? But I remember that as a child in the neighborhood, those, those houses where I just felt, I just entered in. You know, when I went to see my grandparents... I didn't text my grandparents to say, is, is it okay for me to come in now, I just barged in and it's like, where, where are the sodas? You know, they, they had the coldest sodas in the world. That's, that's another story. Um, you know, so, so, they, you know, where's the candy? Where's the soda? I'm, I'm in. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna run into my house. I'm gonna, I'm gonna run into this place because why? Because I'm at home. So when we go to our homes, boom, we enter in our homes. We, we don't hesitate. And then when we're at a very special person's home in our life, we, we, just, we just go in. We just, no fear. We're not fear of being rejected. We're not, fear, we're not fearful of being unwelcomed. We are just in. And guys, that's how it is when we're in relationship with Jesus. Like he wants us to have that yes in our hearts. I know some of you, like it was a big, a big deal to even come to this church either on a previous Sunday or maybe for a few of you today. And, and it's like, you know, walking into this building was so hard and I understand that. There's all types of reasons for that. But man, I hope for all of you, all of you that, so that someday soon, maybe like this Thursday night or this Saturday night or next Sunday, you can just walk in and say, this is home. I'm safe, man. I'm safe here. I know that. I'm going to receive love here. I'm not going to receive unhealthy condemnation. I'm not going to receive unhealthy scrutiny. I'm not going to receive like a mandate that's put on me so that I exist to make this church function. Now, this church exists to build you, to build you in the Lord, to build you in your faith, to encourage in your faith. And you're home here. And so... Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of Jesus. Don't be afraid of his church. Come on, just enter in. Enter into the things God has for you. Enter into the places God has for you. Just go to the scripture. Don't be intimidated by the Bible. Just read three or four verses a day. If you need help with that, I, I'll, I'll, I'll give you some advice on that. I've done, done that my whole ministry. Just, just, just enter in and don't be afraid. You are at home. Speaking of being at home, um, when I was younger, Um, before my driver's license, I I hung out with some older people, uh, in my youth group and my school and stuff. And so, uh, we didn't have cell phones. So no, not only did we, did we not text, we couldn't be outside uh, and and hear a phone call. So if you were supposed to be picked up at 4 PM, you, you know, you go outside and you wait and it might be 405, it might be 358, it might be four twenty-five if there's traffic or someone's running late. There is no ETA. You know, there's no like, I'm texting you my estimated time of arrival. You're, you just wait. And I, I, I've been thinking about that anticipation time. Um, sometimes, sometimes it was stressful, but most of the time, a lot of creative thought happened. Uh, most of the time. Um, I was imagining what could occur that night, or or I was daydreaming about a day like today, you know, 30-something years later, and, and what my life could be in the future, or I was making plans, thinking about what's going to happen at the next holiday, or, or making, you know, reliving an experience, and, and so Instead of just sitting there on my phone, like I do now, so I'm not judging you teenagers, I'm judging myself, I do the same thing you do. Instead of just sitting there on my phone and, and looking down, you notice things in the sky, you, you notice things in the environment around you. So when we wait, it increases anticipation that can be good. And so we're people of anticipation, we're anticipating what God what God. Is doing So he says, don't be afraid, daughter Zion. Your king is coming. Here's my second point today. Your king is coming. That's my second point. There's no reason to rephrase that one. This idea that we're waiting for Jesus. He's coming. And he's going to show up in our lives. Part of the coming of Jesus, and let me just be crystal clear about this. Jesus Christ will return visibly and physically to this world, not metaphorically, not kind of, not invisibly, like every eye will see and behold Jesus as he comes back to this world, the Mount of Olives, and we we look forward to that day. But the coming of the kingdom is being foreshadowed when Jesus shows up in our lives today. So, Jesus is going to keep showing up in your life. Like the arrival of the kingdom of God in, in the occupation you have, the job you have, in like Samantha and Daniel in the building of their family. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm Mitchell and, and Samantha, I'm sorry. Mitchell and Samantha in the building of their family. They're showing up. For our, our single adults who, you have so much to give to our church. You have so much to give to our church. Now, now, you are not a more complete person when you get married. You're a fully complete person now. You're not a more fully complete person when you have kids. You're fully complete now. And we need single adults and we need couples who don't have children We need all types of people in all stages of life. Everyone is important. And Jesus shows up in those contexts. Jesus shows up in your singleness. Jesus shows up when you're childless. Jesus comes when, as I mentioned, in your employment, but he also comes in your unemployment to be there. Jesus is there in your health crisis. Jesus is there when the marriage is is cracking. And he shows up and your king is coming. Your king is coming. The reason we proclaim the coming of the Lord is because we know that there's coming a day when Jesus is going to be in charge of this world um, in in very recognizable ways to the whole world. And we'll see a world, what a world is like when a righteous king, when a righteous king is in charge. That's why I'm, I'm so concerned about those of us who are putting faith in earthly governmental systems, can you just decide ahead of time that every governmental system will let you down until Jesus, who is the King of Kings, the president of presidents, the senator of senators, the governor of governors, the representative of representatives, the mayor of mayors, that's Jesus, he'll never let us down. All those other men and women Who are just like us. I don't want to disparage any of them. I know it's, that would be a popular thing to do. I've done that accidentally, not too long ago. These politicians, hey, you know, these politicians are just like you and me. They're just like you and me. They're people. They make good decisions. They make bad decisions, but we don't, we don't worship them and we don't idolize them. and, And we shouldn't unfairly vilify them either. We should, we, we, we have a perfect leader building a perfect kingdom and your king is coming and it's going to happen physically and it's going to happen visibly that we're all going to see, but he's going to show up in your situation like now, like in this service and in this week. And, And I want you to know that and believe that. But here's the deal to see Jesus coming. Here's my third point. You have to realize he's coming in unexpected ways. He's coming in unexpected ways. And that's why we know that a military king comes in a stallion, comes in an incredible, powerful military um, presence. And Jesus, it was prophesied that he would come in a donkey. And he did. And I want to talk to you about a very important verse, because this verse showed up in Psalm, in our Psalm today. But then it's repeated many times in the New Testament, repeated by Jesus. And it's repeated by, by some of the epistle uh, authors. It says Psalm 118, 22. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This is a, a very important scripture to our faith because it was used several times again in the New Testament. So we, we, some of you are in construction, so you understand this concept better than someone like me. But I do know this is that there are footers and you start construction, you put footers on, on the edges of the house. See, I've already said it wrong. You know, Al's nodding your, his head yes. So thank you, Al, for helping me along here. But, but the footers are important and the footers are known as, we, in the ancient world, as the cornerstone. And it's the most important stone because the whole house rests upon that stone. It's the cornerstone. It's if it's if it's flawed, if it's no good, the house the house is, is isn't going to be solid. So the scripture says, "The stones that the builders rejected." The builders were looking through all the stone. They're saying, "Hey." I'm going to toss that stone out. I'm going to toss that stone out. I'm not going to build with that. That's a bad stone. That stone is ineffective. We don't need it. And they threw it in the trash heap. Jesus took the stone that was on the trash heap. And God took it in Jesus and said, hey, no one else wants this stone. I'm going to build everything on it. I'm going to build my kingdom. So God, the father and the triune God did that with Jesus. Everybody wants a political leader. Everybody wants a military leader. I'm going to take a carpenter's son and, and I'm going to make myself incarnated as the carpenter's son. And the stone that the builders rejected becomes crucial and becomes everything. You know, there's a type of art. I know we have some artists in here, uh, recycled art. And it started with... Uh, Pablo Picasso, where he would, he would do different types of of um, collages and he began to take newspaper and different kinds of trash. And he would, in his creative mind, make, make these pieces of art. Now it's a thing through the 20th century, now into the 21st century, this idea of taking trash and making it art. And there's no limits to that. It doesn't have to be a certain size. It doesn't have to be a certain dimension, be two dimension, three dimension, but it's the idea of taking creativity and taking trash and making it something beautiful. Recycled art. Guys, that's what we are. We're recycled art. I mean, we, we are people of mistakes. We are people of deficiencies. We are people who, who don't have it all together, but Jesus has taken us and really taking that metaphor even further. He's put us in the body. So together we make something more beautiful. Trash. Can become art and trash. You know the enemy has called us trash, but God has called us art, <laughs> and God has called us something beautiful. So going on in verse twenty-two, uh, are repeating that the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Look at twenty-three. This came from the Lord. It's wondrous in our sight. Verse twenty-four. This is the day the Lord has made. Let's rejoice and be glad in it. Lord, save us. This is verse 25. This is, this is where that language came in John 12. And now that language is in us today. Lord, save us. Lord, Yahweh, Yeshua, please grant us success. 26, he who comes in the name of the Lord is blessed from the house of the Lord, we bless you. And so it is that on this Palm Sunday, We ascribe to the Lord what he deserves. We ascribe to the Lord who he is. We tell the Lord of his greatness. We call upon the Lord and we call upon his wonderful qualities. And when we do that, he speaks those over us. Not to deify us because that's not true. He'll always be. He always will be different as God. But we reflect his glory Like we're a mirror that reflects the greatness of the glory. And you can't reflect something you don't look at. So when you look at something, you're fully in front of it, you reflect it. And that's what we're doing today. I want us to pray together. Father, we come to you. We position ourselves. We thank you for this Psalm, Psalm 118. We thank you how it was repeated in John chapter 12. We thank you, Lord, as we start Holy Week. Lord, I I speak the life of Jesus upon my friends. I speak the resurrection power of Jesus. I want to pray for those of you who are sick right now. I want to pray for you right now. I I want you to believe resurrection power is here, just right there where you're sitting right now. I want you to believe God that he can touch you. He can touch you. Some of you may be receiving medical news this week and you're anticipating um, a consult from a doctor, and and a lot is on the line, I want you to receive the peace of the Lord right now. I want you to receive the peace of Jesus right now. Jesus is coming. Here's the word of the Lord today has been, do not be afraid, daughter Zion. Your king is coming, but he's coming riding on a donkey. He's coming in an unexpected way. So I, I want you to understand that your sickness is not greater than the power of Jesus in your life. I wanna speak to a broken relationship. In the name of Jesus, I pray that you would have the power to know what is over and what the Lord has not done with. And I want you to hear that. I want you to hear that. You know, there's some things that are over and you need to accept that. But there's some things, there's some relationships that the Lord has said he's not done yet. I want you to hear this. You're not making that decision, the Lord's making that decision. The Lord has said he's not done. So Father, we pray for life upon the relationships in which you want there to be life. And God, we pray O oh Lord that every damaging relationship, every what we now call in the modern times, codependent relationship, every destructive relationship. I'm going to pray this against every soul tie. Some of you need to realize there's something, there's a soul tie to you. And the Lord is trying to end that. He's trying to cut that off, but you're holding on to something. I don't know which one applies. I just gave you two contradictory types of prayers, but the Holy Spirit will make it known to you. How that applies to your life. For some, the Lord is saying, I'm not done with that relationship. For some, the Lord is saying, there's a soul tie and it needs to be cut. And the Lord God will give you wisdom for those things. The scripture will give you wisdom from that. Search the scripture. Search the word. Search the word. I want to encourage some of you. Some of you have been getting lots of advice about how to respond to a situation, but you haven't been to Scripture, and the Lord wants to remind you this morning to seek out His Word, to seek out the counsel of the Lord, to seek out the Scripture. Don't even believe something that your pastor would tell you if it's not aligned with the Scripture. If it's not aligned with the Scripture, it's not for you. We're people of the Word. We're people that are protected by the Word. And so, don't, don't neglect the source of truth that's reliable. I just get this sense that many have been saying, I've been going to this person and that person and to this book and to this psychological evaluation and to this principle. But the very last thing has been the word. And the Lord says that which is last in the sight of the world is first in my sight. That which is last becomes first. It's preeminent. And, and, and if obedience costs you, if obedience is painful, in the end, after the suffering, there is joy in obedience. There is joy in sacrifice. There is joy in doing what the Lord wants. And so we thank you for that, God. We receive that. I I want you just to receive the word of the Lord. See, there's some things that are a sermon, but there's some things that are a word of the Lord to you. And so I want you to receive those things which God is calling you to receive. So we thank you, Lord. Let's stand together. And we just want to welcome the presence of the Lord. Man, we've done that several times today, but we have to keep asking Uh, not because he is deficient, not because uh, he is tricky. It's like we have to keep reminding ourselves that we need the Lord, that we need the Lord. So Lord, we need you in these last few minutes. We need you in these last few minutes. We need you, Lord. I don't wanna close a service without the Lord. I don't wanna start a service without the Lord. I don't wanna close a service with the Lord. I don't want to walk through religious practices in vain repetition, repetition, I don't want to just show up at church and my body's at church, but my heart's not there. I mean, I'm physically here, but I'm spiritually distant. No way. Come on, this is the Lord's time. It's the Lord's day. We're not gonna wait till next weekend to make Easter Sunday the only Sunday we talk about resurrection power because resurrection power is not just every Sunday. It's every day. It's every hour. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you right now. And and sometimes when we're at church, we we literally stir up the gift of God. We stir up the gift of God and we're like we're not going to let it become stale and stagnant and old. The wind of the Holy Spirit, it begins to blow and that little bitty ember that you can hardly notice when the wind of the Spirit blows, it begins to spark again and it begins to roar again. And I want to let you I want you to hear this. It doesn't take long. When the Lord gets involved for the fire to come back. Some of you are saying, man, back in the 90s, I was on fire. Back in the 10s, I was on fire. Back when I was living there. Back when I was going there. Back when I was spending time with them. And it seems so far and it seems so distant, but it's not because the same Holy Spirit who was at work then is inside you right now. The same Holy Spirit who was at work through that relationship is at work in your present body right now. The same Holy Spirit that's in your memory is still in your body, and your heart right now. And so it doesn't take long. When God gets involved, the fire comes back. And the power comes back. It is here for us. So Father, we pray for the wind of your Holy Spirit. We pray, Lord, for the fire to burn bright again. Lord, we pray for the passion for Jesus to stir up. We pray for the things of the Lord to, to come and to take residency in our life. We pray for the establishment of the kingdom of God. We pray, Lord, that the spirit would be stronger than the flesh. We pray that we would feed the right things. And we pray that the life of Jesus would be ours today. As we move into this ministry time, Lord, I just pray that your Holy Spirit would do his work within us. We're going to open up a communion for those who want to take it today. But I I want us to, it's so special to me and it's such a special part of our service. Uh, You know, we, 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 we heartily want to do it today with all our hearts. But I want, if some of you need to pray with someone here that you know and love, it's okay. It's okay if you don't make it to the line today. It's okay. We're not under the law of that. If you need to just seek the Lord by yourself, I want you to feel free to do that. How we're going to do communion is we have individual packets some of you have grabbed, and you're, you're free to take that when you want to. And we'll, we're going to consecrate those unto the Lord. But also here at the front, we'll be down here. Pastor Daniel Robertson will be uh, presenting you the bread. And you can just put your hand out like this, and he'll put the bread in your hand. And then me and my wife Beth will present the cup. And I'll present it uh, by intinction, which is when you take the bread that Daniel gave you and you dip it in the cup but that's not what everyone wants to do. And so if you don't want to do it that way, you can go to Beth and she'll present you the smaller cups, but it's a way to just move forward to the front. Many of us like to take communion in such manner, but we want to confess our sins to the Lord. We want to confess our sins to the Lord. And so here's a prayer of confession that I pray almost every day. And it calls for the father and the son and the Holy spirit to, to be involved in our lives. You want, can you join this with me right now? Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, set up your kingdom in our midst. Lord Jesus Christ, son of the living God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Holy Spirit, breath of the living God, renew me and all of the world.